Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning, church family. Wow, this is awesome. I've never heard that response in our church ever before. Maybe it's Christmas, I guess. I don't know. Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful Sunday to be here in the presence of God. I am so thrilled to be teaching and preaching God's Word uh, today, this morning, and uh, I am so excited. Uh, This is one of my greatest joys to really proclaim Jesus um, behind, standing behind the authority of God's Word and to showcase Him as most glorious, as most beautiful, as most majestic, so that we can all come and adore Him this morning. Thank you for the elders and Barrett uh, for giving me this opportunity to preach and even trusting in me. And even I talked to some folks here. Thank you for praying for me. This is not easy for me um, to stand before a huge crowd, to speak in a language which is not native to me. I know only 73 English words, so I'm kind of going to use them all in this sermon. So it's going to be fun. Um, but really thankful for this opportunity. Barrett is on a sabbatical, as you might know. Um, so continue to pray for him. Continue to pray for rest um, and rejuvenation. It can be hard to really like unplug from the daily responsibilities and primary duties of life. But I even like saw for a couple of weeks if he's like sitting around in a corner with a baseball hat or something like that. But I haven't seen him. So if you find him, bring him to the hospitality desk. We'll chat with him. Um, <laughs> But we are so grateful for him and his family and this opportunity for them to really rest and really rejuvenate in the Lord um, and to really build their family together and for also Michelle and the girls as well. So remember them in your prayers. All right, so we have been in this series called Come, Let Us Adore Him, and we have been walking through these themes. Um, Anybody remember what's the first week, the themes of the first week? Peace and rest, awesome. So we, we, what, what did we remind us about? So we was reminded that peace is not found in the absence of trouble, but in the presence of God. A true rest is not found in a vacation, but in the presence of God. And in the last week, what do we see? Which was wonderfully taught about the humility and the generosity of Jesus. The humility of Jesus we, when we behold the humble Jesus Christ, who was in the form of God, who did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself to the point of a servant and even unto death. And as we behold this humble Christ, we become a humble man and a humble woman of God. And that is what we've been seeing. And this week, we are going to be studying about hope and anticipation. Hope and anticipation. I'm really excited because this is one of my favorite themes. In all of Scripture, we see that we have a hope as believers 
that Christ has given us a solid living hope that we hold fast to, not just for our, this life, but for the life to come. And really ponder on this truth of hope and anticipation as we come and lead us in our hearts to worship Jesus. I really love this season, guys. This, this, this Christmas season is just a wonderful time of the year, especially with all the lights and the decorations, even in our own apartment. Like, I'm kind of wary of our electricity bill this month, but it's just, it's been decked out. So I'm really excited for this season. And even the smells, the, 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 the taste of wonderful, wonderful food, not so much the pounds that we gain after that, but, but seriously, just the wonderful time that we have this season, the warmth of family that we have in this season. It's just wonderful, wonderful opportunity to really experience the good gifts of God. But sometimes I wonder, maybe it is precisely those good gifts of God are maybe the ones that keep us from experiencing the gift giver himself. It is maybe that our hearts are so in tuned with what is around us, all the planning and all the arrangements and decorations, which is all good. But maybe those are the ones who really keep us from experiencing God. So my hope, my hope today is to really slow us down and to really like reorient our hearts, not around the things of this world, but the sure, solid, firm foundation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's my hope, to redirect our attention and slow us down before Christmas, to really hope in God and anticipate his return, that we living in the already but not yet of this world, punctuated between two advents, where we find our hope. So let's go turn to our Bibles, to Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. We'll read these verses and we'll pray together. Romans chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning humbly seeking that you would do a special work in our hearts, God. Humbly anticipating that you would speak to us, that we would listen to the very voice of God. Like the disciples who went on the Emmaus Road, when you expounded the scriptures to them, God, 
their hearts burned within them. God, would you give that to us today? Would you show us your glory today? Would you help us to see the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ today? Would you help us to slow down and reorient our hearts toward you so that we would be worshiping community of people? So help our hearts adore you this morning as we study and see the glory of God in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be primarily camping out on verse 13, but, but I do want to set the stage up and give some context to, to what is happening in this section. Um, in this section from verses 8 to 12, Paul is really um, quoting from a lot of Old Testament passages. He's quoting from Samuel, he's quoting from Deuteronomy, he's quoting from uh, Isaiah, and he's really showing the believers in Rome that the plan of salvation is not just for one particular group of people, but for all people, for all nations and all tribes and tongues, that the plan of salvation, the scripture is clear even from the Old Testament, written hundreds of years ago, that the hope that Jesus is has been revealed to us in scripture and that we and the Roman believers can believe in him. And he's really, he's really encouraging them. The root of Jesse, verse 12, he says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. He's really quoting from Isaiah on this verse. He's saying the root of Jesse has come, guys. And he's ruling over the Gentiles. And in him, you and I have hoped. And he's encouraging the believers in Rome. And that is our encouragement today too. Isn't this amazing? But 2,000 years later, you and I are the fulfillment of that particular promise. That we are the fulfillment. We are the Gentiles that we have hoped in God. That we have hoped in the root of Jesse. And he is ruling over us, and not just in Memphis, but in all over the world. That God is reigning and ruling in Asia, in Australia, in Singapore, in the Middle East, in all nook and cranny of this world. That the reign of God is over all people, nations, tribes, and tongues. And that's why we have Go Month, right? Nice little plug-in for that. But really, God is not just a God of a particular people group, but for all people, that we are the fulfillment. That you and I sitting here without any Jewish context, we are the fulfillment, that we have hoped in this root of Jesse, the Messiah who has come. And no matter what kings arise, no matter what governments come, no matter what pandemic arises, there will be no stop to the reign and rule of Jesus Christ all over the world. And this, and he's just encouraging them, and then he's just bursting out in a benediction. 
He's just so excited to proclaim this truth that Jesus is not just a God for one particular people group, but for all peoples, and he's bursting out in a benediction and a blessing. In verse 13, what do we see? May the God of hope. He just turns his attention to God as almost like a prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, and believing so that you may, by the power of the Holy Spirit, abound in hope. Isn't this amazing? Amen. We're going to look into verse 13. I'm going to, we're going to dig deep into this, verse 13. And he starts this verse 13 by saying, May the God of hope, may the God of hope, and I've titled the section, Our Source of Hope, Jesus. Jesus, our source of hope. He says, this God, this root of Jesse, the ruler of all the kingdoms and the nations in whom you and I and all the Gentiles in this world trust, he is the source of hope. He is the God of hope. Why is he the God of hope? Because he is this never-failing promise-keeping, grace-lavishing, mercy-abounding, patient and long-suffering, all-wise and sovereign king. He is this God of hope. And he is our sure foundation of hope. And as we look into this world and even look into our own lives, as we look back at this year, we see so much brokenness. We see so much hurt. We see so much disappointment and conflict and, and just tensions all around us. Even this past year, when we look at in this world, we see so much angst and this revenge culture, this riots, and just so much brokenness that we come face to face with in our daily experience of living in a fallen world. The world gives us, and our own hearts gives us, ample evidence to be discouraged, despairing, and even hopeless. The main reason is as we are looking around and as we look into our own hearts, both as individuals and as a human race, we find that there is a problem within us. We see that there is something not right within us. We see that there is a problem that, that no political party, that no vaccine, no educational system, or even an earthly reform can fix, that we have something that's not right. And that's called sin. Sin is rejection and rebellion against God. Sin is rebellion against God and rejection of God. When we say to God, God, we have rebelled against you, we say, we don't want you, but we want your good gifts. We don't want you, God, but we want your stuff. We have rebelled against him. In Romans 1, we again, we see we have rejected him. We have rejected him and say, God, you don't get to define true. You don't get to define what is real. I get to say what is true and real for me. 
We have displaced him from the throne of our lives and we have inserted ourselves as the king and lord of our own lives. We have rejected him. You've said, God, you don't get to define what gender is. You don't get to define what sexuality is. You don't get to define what I do with my money. I get to define what true and reality is. And we have disregarded him as the source and blessing and the ends of all things. And in response to our rebellion against God and our rejection of him, what does he do? Instead of incinerating us, he, he moves towards us with love, with compassion, with great mercy. He moves towards us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. That even in our rebellion, that even in our rejection of God, and even in our blatant disregard of God, that God has moved toward us in compassion, in love, and in hope. That he has come, God Emmanuel, God with us, in the mess, in the sin, in the brokenness, in the hurt, God, Emmanuel, he has come to invade your brokenness. God has sent not a prophet, not a situation to help us, not a human relationship, but he has sent his own son to deliver us from this brokenness. He could have, imagine, even the Old Testament, he could have sent anybody. He could have sent an angel. But no, he said, I am going to step in. I am going to take on flesh and step in and heal and renew God with us. This is the hope of Christmas that we have, that in midst of the hopelessness, that in midst of our brokenness, in midst of all that we see around us, God is still with us. That he became man and he lived a life that you and I can never live and he died a death that we deserve to die. And he was raised again on the third day and he's seated now at the right hand of God so that we have a hope not just for this life and he's coming back again. He's coming back again not as a baby, but as a king riding on his white horse. Isn't that give us hope? That Jesus Christ gives us hope, not just for this world, but also for the world to come. That he's going to make all things new. There will be no tears, no sorrows, that we will be in the presence of the God of hope. Jesus is coming again. And the anticipation that fills our hearts to see him, to experience him, to know him, to worship him. And on that day, we will all be adoring him. Face to face. What anticipation, what eagerness that fills our hearts. What does that mean for you today? What is this truth? The God of hope, who is the source of all hope. What does this mean for you today? There is hope for your past. No matter how messy 
sinful and shameful your past is, there is hope because Christ has come. There is hope for your present. No matter how chaotic, tumultuous, and really just hard your life is right now, there is hope because Christ has come. And there is hope for your future. And no matter how life gets unpredictable, no matter no, whatever new variant comes, no matter how life gets really anxious and uncertain, there is hope because Christ has come and is coming again. He has not abandoned us. There is hope. There is hope for us. There is hope. The certainty that Christ who came 2,000 years ago will come once again and that fills our heart with anticipation. And if you look again in your, in your Bibles to verse 13, Paul goes on to say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Joy and peace, the blessings of hope. Joy and peace, the blessings of hope. When I say joy, I'm not talking about this, this very transient, short-lived happiness. I don't know about you, I've woken up really chipper and happy, but at like 10 a.m., felt like crap. So I'm not talking about this really short-lived, transient feeling that we have called happiness. And when I say peace, I'm not really saying about something that is like this comfortable ease with the absence of any trouble or difficulty. I'm not talking about that. The true joy and true peace, which are the fruit of the Spirit, is the deep-rooted, unshakable, firm, unwavering delight, security, and trust which is dependent not on who we are, but dependent on who Jesus is. Our happiness and our, and our temporal peace is very dependent on our circumstances. But true joy and true peace is not dependent on us, is not dependent on any of our circumstances, but dependent on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. I want you to remember this. Where you put your hope is imperative for your joy and peace. Where you put your hope is indispensable for your joy and peace. There's reasons many of us are discouraged, really disillusioned, and, and really disappointed is because we have placed our hope on places and things and people that will not ultimately satisfy. If you feel like there's this, there's this joylessness for you in this season, there's this peacelessness and, and restlessness for you in this season, you and I have to examine what am I really looking for in my life for worth, value, and significance? Where is my hope found this Christmas. 
But most of us as Christians, we say, oh, my hope is found in Jesus Christ. We even sing this song, in Christ alone, my hope is found. But really, let me ask you a finer question. Where is your hope functionally in? When you live your lives, where are you putting your trust in? For your worth, value, and significance. On a Tuesday afternoon when when your boss criticizes you, where is your hope in? On Christmas Day or on Christmas Eve when you're like really excited to open this gift and, 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 and you see the gift and you're really dejected and disappointed that it's not what you wanted, where, where is your hope in? Husbands, when, you're, when, you, when you feel disrespected by your wives, disregarded by your wives, where is your hope, sir? And wives, when you feel unappreciated, unloved, and unaffirmed by your husbands, where is your hope in, ma'am? And even as a student, if we are like really trying really hard to study and to, and to make this grade, but the results come and it's not what we expected, where is your hope in? Or maybe you even get that job, maybe you even get the promotion, or maybe you even find that spouse. And still you're empty the next morning. What, where is your hope found in? What is your heart functionally trusting and hoping in right now? Simply put, what are you hoping in for your joy and for your peace? Let me remind you again, where you put your hope is imperative for your joy and peace. It's indispensable, guys. It's super important for to be joyful in the Lord and to be peaceful in the Lord. I understand Christmas can be really, really hard for some people, especially with the loss of many, especially in this last year. There's been so many loss after loss after loss. For some, it's, it's small losses. For some, it's really weighty ones. And especially as family is coming around, it can be really hard and stressful. And you may be wondering, how do I experience this joy? How do I really experience this peace that you're talking about, John? How do I let the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace? How is this possible? I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to verse 13. Paul doesn't leave a mystery. Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. In believing. In believing. Paul says belief is the means of hope. Belief is the means of experiencing hope and experiencing the blessings of hope, which is true joy and true peace. Belief. But you might ask, belief in what? Belief in what? But when we look at our world and the culture around us, the world is constantly telling you and I to believe in yourself. You can do this. You got this. Girl, wash your face. And all these things, the world and culture around us are telling us, lying to us, that we can believe in us enough, in our abilities, in our achievements, 
And we can do it. It sounds great. It sounds really therapeutic. It sounds really awesome. But there's one problem with that philosophy. When your faith is ultimately in you, when you fail, which you will, where do you go for hope? When, you're, when you put all your chips in your ability, sir, when you fail, where do you go for hope? That's why this, this whole philosophy of believe in yourself, you can do this, be true to yourself, leaves, leaves so many of us frustrated, fragile, and even, even, even so disillusioned. Let me be honest with you for a second. Nobody has ever lied to you more than you have. Nobody has ever failed you more than you have. Nobody has disappointed you more than you have. This aspect of self-reliance is a lie from the enemy. Do not believe that. We don't like to think ourselves as weak and needy and dependent. If we were self-sufficient and able, there would be no point for a savior to come. There would be no reason for a Christmas if we were able to, to pull ourselves from our bootstraps and reach our way to God. There would be no reason for Christmas. Even in a perfect world, being perfect beings, Adam and Eve could not make it on their own. And how much more, how much more is this true of us? The real reason for Christmas is precisely because we are hopeless and needy and dependent and weak. The real reason that Christ came is because that we are not able to live the life that God has created for us to live without Him. You, do not ha you and I do not have what it takes to live what God has created us to live. But that's why you and I have a Savior who meets you in this Christmas that you and I have this sure, steady, unwavering, unshakable hope in a faithful God who has come to you in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and he offers you all that you need for life and godliness. Isn't this amazing? God offers you everything that you need outside of you. So, so stop striving, stop trying to build your own life and start believing, believing in the God Emmanuel who has come, believing in him who is, who's offering you forgiveness, who has stepped into your mess, who has stepped into your sin and who's offering you grace and love and forgiveness. And I love this verse in Isaiah 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 6. And it, and it shows about the names of God. Believing in this wonderful counselor who offers you wisdom and guidance in your daily life to navigate through this life. 
believing in this mighty God who gives strength to this weary, who gives strength to the weak, who has defeated sin and death and weakness so that we might look at weakness and death and, and say, oh death, you have no power over me. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh hell, where is your victory? That we might look at this everlasting Father and believing in the everlasting Father's care that we have not been abandoned, that we have been not been left alone as orphans, that He has drawn us into His own family and lavished upon us grace and love and fatherly care. And believing in the Prince of Peace who gives us unexplainable peace that surpasses all understanding. Believing in the God of hope. Believing in this God, in the attributes of God, in the character of God, in, in the work of God gives us true joy and true peace. I want to read to you this quote by Spurgeon. He says, My hope lives not because I am not a sinner, but because I am a sinner for whom Christ died. My trust is not that I am holy, but that being unholy, Christ is my righteousness. My faith rests not upon what I am or shall be or feel or know, but in who Christ is, in what he has done, and in what he is now doing for me. Hallelujah. My faith rests on not upon who I am, but in who Christ is, in what he has done, and in what he is right now doing for me. True hope, sir, is not found in striving, but in found in believing in this God of hope. And this God of hope will give you all true joy and peace Truly, hallelujah, our hearts exult in this truth that we don't have to look into ourselves for hope, that we don't have anything to trust in, but we can trust in the sure, firm foundation of Jesus Christ who has done it all for us. Amen. Verse 13, let's go on, last one. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he continues to say, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God is not only the source of hope but he's also the supply of hope. God is not only the source of hope but he's also the supply of hope. And what good news that is for us right now. How freeing that is for us right now because we don't have to muster up hope. That we don't have to try to do this, do this any feeling type of thing to muster up hope because God is the source and the supply of hope. And this was really freeing for me too. No matter how I preach, I am unable to instill hope in you. No matter how, no matter whatever I say, all my preaching 
can only inspire you probably to the parking lot or maybe to Los Camales, I don't know, but, <laughs> but, but all that I can is only that. True change and true hope can be received only through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do what I cannot do. The Holy Spirit can do what you and I cannot do for our own selves. The power of the Holy Spirit. This is one of my favorite, favorite topics to preach on. He's not only the one who instills hope, but he causes us to abound in hope. It's not just an ethereal concept, guys. It's not just an abstract idea, but really a spiritual experience. The Holy Spirit causes us to abound in hope. And as I was preparing, I just really felt prompted by the Lord to really just stop and just pause and to not write down anything after that. And just if I really believed in that phrase, that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit will cause you to abound in hope, I just wanted to plead with God and ask Him to really fill my heart with hope, to do in me what only He could do in me. And I want to do the same for us today as a church. That no matter how I preach, no matter how we play the drums, no matter how we worship, it is not in our own ability to muster hope. It is the Holy Spirit who causes us to abound in hope. So in conclusion, I just want to ask us to really bow your heads and, and close your eyes, and we'll be praying for a minute to really ask and plead with the Holy Spirit, to really cause us to abound in hope, to really trust in this God of hope. And I want to give you some space to really slow down and, and look into our own hearts and see where, where have we misplaced our hopes this Christmas. What, what is really consuming your heart and your mind this season? What, what are you hoping in for your worth, value, and significance? What is something that if you lost it, you would, you would really lose the meaning and purpose for life itself? What are you functionally trusting in? And ask the Holy Spirit to really reveal it to you and me. And ask God to work in your heart to reveal these misplaced hopes. And as the Lord reveals it to you, plead for his forgiveness and the hope that he brings, that he is the source of hope, 
that he gives you true joy and peace, that the Holy Spirit will cause you to abound in hope and anticipation. Lord, we thank you this morning for this time that you've given us, God. What a God we have, what a God we serve. The God of hope. This is my prayer for me and for all of our members in our church. That the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace in believing, believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That we are accepted and loved and we're welcomed into his presence. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, let hope abound today, tomorrow, and until the day that you come back again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to move into our time of testimony, and we are super excited to have the one and only Paula Crocker, um, who's going to share our testimony, her testimony with us. And uh, Paula is, hi, Paula, good to see you. Um, Paula is our very own Tom Crocker's wife. It's great. So good to see you. Thank you for doing this with us. Um, it's like late night with Paula Crocker. I don't know. I just feel like a TV show host now. Um, I've never done this, but we'll, we'll try. We'll do it together. Um, thank you for do, willing, being willing to do this. Um, really introduce yourself and, and, and share from your heart how this God of hope that we have been listening to has really shaped um, and brought you from a lot of darkness from a lot of chaos, from a lot of brokenness into life, and he's given you that hope, um, and he's given you that confidence, that confident expectation that he's gonna come back once again. We have this heavenly hope. Um, and share us your journey, share us your testimony so that all may be encouraged. Yeah. I will do that. I am so excited to be able to speak to you about hope in Jesus. I love to talk about Jesus. And John, what you shared with us today, Satan is trembling right now in his boots because there are people here that heard what John said and it went into their hearts and it's going to change their lives. And he is trembling. It was great. I just say hallelujah for hallelujah. everything that he said. But you're going to have to hold, here. Yeah, yeah, hold one of my books for me. <laughs> Um, do you really believe what John has said that there is a life that can be lived in hope hope that just pervades your life that lifts you up that, that helps you to see even in the worst of circumstances the good of God I want to read to you, I'll start off by reading 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25, if I can manage all of this in my lap here. Because troubles, 
will come just like John said. You know, you walk out the door, sometimes even before you walk out the door, there may be a text, there may be a call, there may be a crisis that you will have to deal with. And so how do we deal with these and not lose the hope? Or better yet, how do we start out in the crisis with the hope? But in, in 1 Peter 2, 18, it says, Household slaves submit with all fear to your masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, mindful of God's will, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure, this brings favor with God. And I think the magic word there is endure because we will have those crisis time. My journey to, um, to hope that I cling to and share um, is fueled by the never failing promises of God through scripture, through prayer, through the words and actions of other believers, and through worship. Robbie, the worship was wonderful this morning. I, we were singing the songs, and I'm like, wow, this is just exactly what I want to say today. Terrific. These are the disciplines that bring about my desire to look for heaven's hope in spite of earthly circumstances, mine or others, the word is filled with scriptures that have captured my heart and they've given me a determination to be a believer of hope. But I could just say this one verse, put this microphone down, step away, and everything would be said that needs to be said. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. That's the foundation of my hope and the building of it is when I surrender my will and obey the disciplines of pursuing God. It is something you have to work on. It is not just popped into your little heart and then it just happens. You have to work at it. Think of the times that you have read the word you felt like it was directly speaking to you, but there was no real opportunity to live it out at that time. Think of the times that you have prayed specifically for something, but nothing changed. Think about the times that you were challenged by words and actions of other believers but you never experienced the same. Were these things that were just said and done and, and they have no meaning to your heart? No, they're deposits. They are deposits. When a crisis occurs, 
I have found in my life that the Holy Spirit brings back those scriptures. He brings back those prayers. He brings back those words that have encouraged me from other believers. And he brings a song to my ears that just speaks right into the situation and reminds me that God is in control. It's not always the answer, but it is the reminder of the investment that God has poured into my life. Affliction to endurance, endurance to proven character, character to hope, hope that never disappoints. Because we're reminded in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God is our confident source of hope, but we have to endure, there's that word, endure, to receive. When our daughter Emily was diagnosed in 2017 with cancer, and then again, two years later, with cancer again, I was kind of lost. She had already suffered through the pain of surgery, then corrective surgery, the long road to recovery, and zap, it was back. And it was bad. And they had to be aggressive with her treatment. She had to have surgery again, radiation, chemo. I found myself leaning more on her hope than my own. At first, then the Spirit began to speak remembrances to me of the times that God had rescued me, had rescued Tom, had rescued Emily, and all of our family. My hope surged, overflowed, and I began to lift up praises to the one who never failed us. I am here to tell you that Satan had a bullseye on our family for many years. Tough, harsh, sad times that without God would have torn our family apart. One attack after the other would come and God would heal. Another would come and God would heal. Another and another. So many times and God would heal. I know now why Satan wanted to destroy us because my kids have such a fervent faith and they're building their families in fervent faith because we learned through suffering who could rescue us, redeem us, and now we have these open texting sessions and we just talk about faith in God and we just get the hooting and hollering and getting all excited and the emojis are flying all over and it is terrific. It is a terrific place to be. We experienced his answer to the heartache of cancer, marital strife, surviving early adulthood when your life wasn't in the will of God. All of that was answered. And COVID. COVID for me, is not like probably what most of the population would say COVID had been. But um, I saw 
more hope and anticipation at work during COVID in my life because all of a sudden there was no school, there was no work. Everybody came to Ganny's yard and they would play and we would have a good time. And then I saw other things. I saw Samaritan's Purse set up field hospitals in New York City, even when the government didn't want them there. And people's lives were changed. There were field hospitals set up in Italy and people who never believed began to believe. I saw the care that came in the name of Jesus and it changed so many hearts. There was a chance, and I don't know if this is still what you call the World Wide Web, is, is the World Wide Web still what you call it? Anyway, okay. But it led us to become church all over the world, an unimaginable source of the word going everywhere because we couldn't go anywhere. And I guess if you get bored enough, you just go ahead and jump online and, and, and people came to church that had never been to church. I've learned also through prayer resources that I have the meaning of Genesis 50:20 when Joseph addressed his brothers concerning their actions against him. Joseph said, you planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result the survival of many people. So much of the world lives in bondage to evil authority, poverty, illness, illiteracy, no human rights, no freedom to worship. But then in Jesus' name, a water filtration system is dug in a small village that is just a, not even a dot on the map. A school for girls is built in a place where there's been no education for girls ever. House churches spring up where religion and worship is restricted. Animal husbandry programs are started in villages and the animals are donated and then and the villages are taught how to care for them. And where there had been much bad, there started God's plan of good, just like with Joseph. Natural disasters occur. Where is hope and anticipation seen in these? Well, God will take believing brothers and sisters right into the midst of fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, tsunamis, these volunteers come in to assist and bring relief and hearts are filled with hope. Mass shootings, senior citizens mowed down by a van in a parade. We hear from many the story of their belief of hope still strong, even while hearts are devastated by circumstances so horrendous and tragic. When a gunman back in 2017 entered a Baptist church in Sutherland Springs, 
and 26 worshipers were gunned down, young and old, where they sat or stood, or as they tried to crawl under pews for cover. Is there a Genesis 50-20 and something like that? I remember watching the coverage on TV, and, and I kept waiting for one of the believing survivors to declare the gunman did not kill any believers in this church. God took them home in his time and for his purpose. Because John 14, 13 said, I'm sorry, John 14, 1 through 3 says, Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to receive you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. God's truth is truth. All things are in his hands. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the Lord's hand. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. God is in control and he makes believers hope a surety. Now I'll take my book. This, if you don't recognize it, is a Baptist hymnal. And we had those in every pew in the churches. And uh, there is a song that we would sing, uh, Standing on the Promises. And, and uh, I think back when I was singing these songs, I might not have appreciated the theology that appears in them. But when you talk about unfailing hope that will come in spite of circumstances, in verse 2 it says, standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God, I shall prevail. I shall prevail. My Advent book calls suffering that brings hope or hope through suffering, calls it the upside down way of the kingdom. My desire in my life is always to look for heaven in every situation. It does not come sometimes immediately, but because the Lord has planted into my heart the scriptures and the prayers and the believers and the worship. And I am determined to pursue that. I will find hope and anticipation. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Would you all thank Paula? Well, as the worship team is coming up on stage, I um, just want to remind you what Paul said. We have a hope not just in this life, but also for the life to come. We can stand firm in the promises of God. We can stand firm on the finished work of Christ. We can stand firm that the tomb is empty, that he is coming again 
so that we have hope one day that we see his face and we are built with anticipation and we are built with hope. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.